thank you for listening to the Fashion Africana podcast. Please be respectful of the intellectual property featured in this episode. Hello everyone, I'm Beatrice Angudola and you're listening to Fashion Africana podcast. Today I'm speaking with Zonko and Salomon. It's so good to have you here on the podcast. How are you doing, Solomon and Sanko? Uh, I'm doing pretty great. Thank you so much. I'm so, so good. Thanks for hosting us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Uganda in the house. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, Solomon, could you please briefly introduce yourself to us? Um, hi everyone. Hi everyone listening. Um, I'm Tazibon Solomon, a burgeoning Ugandan fashion designer and also a personal editorial and celebrity fashion stylist. I run a brand uh, that goes by the name of Credibility. Initially it was Credibility Styling. But since I'm trying to venture into design, um, I actually had to rename it. So the brand currently is Credibility Couture and Styling. Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. Great. Sonko, could you please briefly introduce yourself to us? Hello to all our beautiful listeners. Uh, This is Sonko Bran, all the way from Uganda, Kampala. Yeah, I'm so glad to be on this podcast I'm speaking to Beatrice and to the world at large. Yeah, I'm a fashion designer and I'm 23 years of age from uh, Uganda. My brand is Sonko Uganda, which I named after my name, you know. And then uh, I've been designing since ever since 2017. But even before, I was a designer because I was trying, you know, to learn everything by myself. You know, I'm self-taught. I never went to school to learn what I'm doing right now. So I count other years as years of practice and years of finding myself as a designer. And then I officially established my brand in 2017. Yeah. And I've worked with different, you know, initiatives, working with the Perfect Foundation and also working alongside my brothers of the IGC designers in Uganda as well. That's briefly who I am. Great. Sounds good. Yeah, Sonko, I know you're one of the absolutely upcoming talents out of Uganda. Mm -hmm. And um, maybe let us know, how do you work? Since you're self-taught, so um, how did you get started and with what materials do you work? And can you give us a kind of insight how your collections look like? Okay, so if I'm to talk about how I started, you know, first of all, when I was young, I used to do some recycling for my friends, you know, recycling uh, jerrycans to small toy cars. So when I was growing, I just had to build up, you know, that motive of creating and being creative. So I ended up creating my first project in 2013, which was the Chupa Bag Project, whereby I was recycling water bottles to bags. It was a successful project, which even got funded by uh, the University of Manchester and the uh, you know, I grew up to make uh, the first, you know, recycled solar bag, yeah, which is I'm now looking at to get a big project out of it. So I pause a little bit, but I want to resume, you know, when I get ample time to create, you know, more of it. Yeah, but my journey as a designer, I'm a soft touch, you know, I didn't have money to go to uh, 
school, fashion schools, because, you know, I just dropped out of school, you know, I didn't have any coin with me to go join any fashion school. And I had the passion for fashion. So I said, I think I'd rather take time to learn it myself than sitting home, you know, waiting to get money. So I had access to internet by then. So I used that time of internet to research about different designers like Alexander McQueen, uh, Stella McCarthy, different designers around the world, just to see how they're doing their work. And also researching on some upcoming artists, some coming des- upcoming designers to see how they do their work. So all of that, you know, I collected it together and helped me to develop myself as a designer and you know, it helped me to create my own style as a fashion designer. And one thing I thank myself for taking that path of self-taught is that, you know, it gave me time to really understand, you know, myself as a person, to understand what my potential was, you know, that I can learn something by myself without anyone helping me. So it really grew me up to the designer I am right now, you know. I haven't made it to the top, but I know that I'm really somewhere because, you know, I'm trying to create something which is really helpful, not only me, but also the community. But still in this journey of self-taught, you know, I imagine myself in other people's shoes and I say that there are hundreds of people who are also trying to reach their dreams, but they're also in the same situation as me. They can't, you know, get money to go to fashion schools. They can't get money to join, you know, fashion, uh, like vocational institutes. So how can I inspire them? So I I started like moving down to different schools, different, you know, places, just talking to the youths about how you can develop yourself from zero to something. You know, you don't have to wait for money to do something, but you can just use the available resources and you create something, you know, which can help you and also help other people around you. So that's how I started my journey of fashion. And then I was invited at a brand in Uganda called Kaswaya led by Raska Sozi, and I worked with him for almost one full year, where he mentored me like in different aspects of fashion. And then that's how I made it to to the SIG project, which was in 2018. It was organized by the Kampala Fashion Week and uh, the U.S. Embassy. So I said, this is my time to shine. So I had to really pull out my best, the best of what I've been doing for all of these years, just to show people that, you know, there's something good which you can get out of teaching yourself something, you know, and also believing in yourself that you can take up something. So I've done a research in Kalamoja about their life. You know, I've, did, I've done like a big, big story about them. So I said, how can oh, I wow. change this? How can I change this story to a collection? So I used this collect this story I collected from Kalamoja. And then I created a piece which was inspired by the life in cows, which was showcased on uh, the Kampala Fashion Week at the Seed Project. And then I came up as the winner of the project out of the 12 participants. So this gave me courage and also gave me, you know, more motive to create more things. And then this uh, I've been moving and then I've showcased to Kampala a full collection, which I did last year. And the collection was inspired by the war. It's inspired by the research I made in Northern Uganda about the war. But to me as a designer, I had to change that story into my, do something I really understand, you know. So when I came back, I decided to go back to my word mind map and then I had to draft. And then I ended up coming out with the war designers in Uganda are facing, you know. And that's the collection I showcased on Kampala Fashion Week last year. It was a sustainable collection whereby I used back cloth and recycled denim. And then beside that, before, I also showcased at Malengo. Malengo is an initiative for people with disability. I also showcased a collection last year and the collection was inspired by a tortoise, you know. Some people like see a tortoise and they just treat it as an animal. But I have me as a person, I have a lot of things I've learned from it, you know, through all my learning process, you know, it has been slow 
but progressive. And being slow makes you sure because you get time to learn everything step by step. You don't jump, skip any step. So a tortoise is always slow, but it's always in the right direction because it takes time, you know, to reach somewhere, but it goes learning step by step. But if I take this mm. path, I'll reach that side, you know. So I had to translate that story to my collection and it really, you know, came out mm-hmm. so well and people really liked it, you know. Yeah, so that was me last year. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a bit of my journey as, you know, a growing designer. Wow. In Uganda. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Wow. Inspiring. So good to hear. Mm. Solomon, I mean, you are one mm. of the, yeah, fashion icons, most influenced fashion stylist <laughs> from Uganda. You're host, you know, and um, you're the one to talk to. So mm. can you give us an insight about the Ugandan fashion scene? Well, basically, I think I'll, it's better off if I start with like my journey because um, it would be shocking for you to learn that I'm a banker by training. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am a banker by training. Um, and I think I basically just come from I subs I come from the African system of like parents wanting to map out, out your career journey for you. And for me, growing up, I've always been a very artistic person, but I never had sense of purpose. I did not know what kind of artist I wanted to be. So um I pursued uh, banking and microfinance as uh, on tertiary level. And even when I was done, I still did not feel, you know, I had my papers, but then I felt like I would still not practice. I would still, I felt like I could not, I was not used to structure, like working a nine to five job and having a boss to answer to. So for me at the time, it took quite some time for me to convince my parents. And even then they were not very accommodative because initially I wanted to do art. But then again, even much as I wanted to do art, I did not know which form of art I wanted to do. (laughs) (laughs) So it so happens that like when I finalized, because I I delayed graduating, and then I had to wait a full year for my transcript, an internship opening came up at uh, Sylvia Wari. Now Sylvia Wari is one of Uganda's, if not Uganda's most iconic uh, fashion designer. There was an internship opening that I took up just for fun. And then, you know, I was taken on and I started as a, a production assistant. So part of my responsibilities was pretty much assisting the designers to create for the brand. So um, I did, I was an intern for about a year. Yeah. But then I went on learning along the way because for me at the time, because I was also, I was in disbelief because I'd always like idolized this woman and I'd always wanted to, you know, even just get an opportunity to just talk to her and like interact and pick her brain about like fashion and design. But actually having the platform, like actually having the ability to be in the same space with her working for her for me is an opportunity that completely changed my life. So I worked with Sylvia as an intern for about a year and then I was promoted to 
designer. Now, I was a designer, fashion designer, under her brand. We were actually two at the time. All right. And then with that came a lot more opportunities because from there, I actually happened to get to uh, be enlisted as a fashion editor for Africa Woman magazine online at the time. And then after, uh, about two years later, um, there was a TV show, like proposal from NTV, and they wanted to do a TV show. From the time I'd spent with her, from the time I'd got to learn, she actually got to appreciate the work that I put in. And then she also put me on the TV show as uh, a co-host. So um, for me, I could say it's been a very... I don't know, for lack of a better word, it's been a very unexpected journey because <laughs> I never set out with a solid purpose. I did not know what I was, what I really wanted to do. I knew I wanted to do arts, but I did not know what type of arts I was inclined towards. So with all that, I've had, like, I should say, I'm, I've, I've been blessed to have a very comprehensive experience, uh, media-wise, design-wise, and also editorial-wise. Right. Um, yeah, so for me, I feel, honestly, there's so much potential for the fashion industry here. And I feel like right now is, actually, the, right now is the right time for anyone who's fashion. So many opportunities at the moment. Uganda is still virgin when it comes to fashion and design. But with that comes a lot of potential for growth right now is the right time for people to you know get into the fashion industry and explore all these different different ideas i feel maybe it's not it's it's not very the the the, the when it comes to fashion here yeah, i should say ugandans are not very embracing now when i say very when i talk about embracing i'm talking uh, you know for the average ugandan style and fashion is Maybe it's like a luxury, one of those things that are like trivial. But okay. I feel like it just takes, it just takes like, you know, the dynamic people, the youth and, you know, the trailblazers to, you know, re basically just change the narrative. Because like I said, I believe like right now is the right time for fashion to pick up here. Absolutely. There's been a bunch of initiatives. Uh, Sonko happened to talk about um, the Malengo Foundation. Um, I was part of the Malengo Foundation a couple of years ago. At the time, I think I was basically just doing media for it. And for me, I was very impressed with the initiative because it was giving even the disabled people a platform. And through fashion, I mean, who would think? I mean, a disabled person would be empowered through fashion. So there's a bunch of other initiatives who are just trying to change the narrative through fashion. And for me, it gives me so much joy because ultimately fashion has to be one of the tools to, you know, implement change, you know. And when I see people stepping out, I'm seeing the youth, I'm seeing, you know, courageous people who won't give up actually, yeah. you know, using fashion to be a bit more impactful because... Um, um, I got to, you know, working with Sylvia, I got to get a lot of insight about fashion because she can say she single-handedly bought the, the fashion flag here in Uganda. Yeah. Um, so she's like, because I always used to ask her, like, what was fashion like at the time, you know, when we were much younger? 
Um, and then she told me back then fashion was pretty much um, like more, it, it was basically entertainment because there was, there used to be fashion pageants. But then people would be invited to these fashion pageants and stakeholders and everyone else. But if it was a showcase and there was yeah. like clothes being showcased on the runway, yeah, people would sit clap, cheer, and everything, but then would not buy at the end of the day. So in a way, it took quite some time for, you know, people like Sylvia to actually, you know, reinforce the idea that, you know, much as we are creatives, we also need to earn from our crafts. Yeah. 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 It's a business. Yeah. Yeah. It's a business ultimately. And it's taken quite some time for Ugandans to actually like embrace fashion to the point of like wanting to support local brands actively. I think it's picking up for now because there's a, uh, there's a concession store that I know of. It's called Bold here that uh, stocks pieces, like locally made pieces from Ugandan designers and basically just puts them up in this space uh, whereby anyone, if anyone literally can just walk in and, you know, pick up something for themselves. So I feel like the journey is a bit slow in terms of um, how Ugandans are being receptive to uh, basically Ugandan sourced and Ugandan produced uh, uh, items of, of, but then I, I I kind of see it picking up because even for me initially, I like speaking from personal experience. If I had to buy anything that was supposed to be functional, yeah. I would not opt for a Ugandan, you know, produced item. Because, but then um, with time, I'm actually getting to appreciate, and I think it's because of the experience that I've had in fashion and design, and it's because. I also know the work that goes in into it. So for me, I've gotten to appreciate uh, basically uh, Ugandan, you know, Ugandan made uh, uh, yeah. items of fashion. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. And I kind of see that picking up. Great. So yeah, Great. like that's why I said right now, it's, it's just about the right time for uh, the youth to actually, you know what, uh, be a bit more intentional and be a bit more ambitious and put in more drive. Absolutely. Yes. Well said. And mm. for you, Sonko, I mean, yes. what were the challenges you have been facing since we have heard now from Salomon how the Ugandan um, mm. yeah, scene, fashion scene is like? So can you give us an insight, please? I think according to the challenges I've been facing, I won't say I've been facing because, you know, I've been uh, working alongside different people, different young people like me, working with different women, you know, around the country. But I think we have general challenges, you know, because first of the challenge is acceptance, you know. People in Uganda, like now they're slowly trying to accept that things made from within Uganda are really of good quality, but at first they had failed to accept. Just a few number now is trying to accept that, you know, you can get something really good made from Uganda, which has also geared, you know, the number, the increased number of second hand in Uganda, whereby people see that second hand is really good and cheap, you know, but it's creating, you know, an effect, you know, to our environment because you buy, let me say, shirt at 3K, 
and then you wear it for only one month and then you slow it out, you just throw it away. It creates like degradation on the soil and also creates the pollution, you know, and also you don't respect the process it takes to make the t-shirt, you know, the dyes and, you know, all those kind of things. So people now are trying to understand the cause of fashion in Uganda and also they're trying to understand also trying to understand, you know, that things made from Uganda are really of good quality. So they're accepting their designers. That's why now you can see people coming to Chiembe to get a dress instead of going to a shop, right, to buy a ready-made dress from England or from China or from anywhere else. So that has been a challenge, but now it's getting, you know, better within time. Another thing is also the market, you know, in Uganda. The market has been challenging, whereby, you know, we have little market for produced, you know, things whereby it's also related to secondhand because we are competing with a, a large market of secondhand clothes. So it's really challenging for the designers in Uganda. Otherwise, if, let me say, if we all come together as designers and then see how we can, you know, reembark on this, see how we can create a general market, you know, for fashion. Mm-hmm. As someone has said, you know, Bold is a good store for this, you know, because they're really collecting, sourcing, you know, different, you know, products from, locally made designers and giving them, you know, a platform to showcase their work, you know, to the world because most, many people go to board, you know, so we need more of those. I have been there. (laughs) Yeah. We need more stores like board, you understand, in Uganda for the designers so that now we can uh, at least re-embark on that uh, big challenge of market because marketing has always been, you know, a challenge. And also I've seen, we have now a big number of, you know, like, you know, upcoming and soft of designers. So we also need, just to get, you know, to understand the business of fashion because to me it has been a big challenge to understand, you know, how mm. fashion work business-wise. You understand? You get clients, but you don't know how to handle clients, you know. You don't know how to charge them right, all those kind of things. So if at least, you know, we get that kind of high... I'm just talking the perspective of the young designers because I've seen it has been a problem for me, but now I'm getting some solution because I've been moving and consulting from different people to see how I can, you know, change this. But it has also been a challenge for most of my fellow young designers and upcoming designers, you know, like overcharging or charging less. And also, let me say, if you're having someone who orders something from the States and then you charge less than the money you're going to get from the product and also shipping the product, so you end up, losing the market because you haven't showed trustworthy. Let me say you've played in sending the package, those kind of things. So if you learn how the business of fashion works, it means you can learn how to integrate all those kind of challenges, you know, in just one corner. The other thing I've seen is unity within the fashion industry. You know, like when you really visualize to see the industry in Uganda, it has some corners, you know, that these people are working with these people, these people are working with these people. But if really come out together, you know, as a same fashion cluster, you know, and then we can see how we can reembark all these challenges because I might be facing one challenge, but also another designer is facing some challenge. But at the same point, I might be having a solution for the challenge he has, and he has a solution for the challenge I have personally. So if we really have you know that special connection, if we really have that unity amongst us, I think we can really embark all these challenges we are facing. And then the other challenge I've seen as personally is also uh, the propaganda and stereotypes. You know, people have been like, putting out stereotypes, things made from Uganda are not good. And also I'm talking this on the cultural perspective. Uh, like if you're using our like cultural, you know, fabrics, people have got like different stereotypes about them saying that, let me say, for example, backroth. If you use backroth, people really tend to see it as something satanic. They tend to see it as something which is, you know, 
demonish, but if you really go into details and you explain, you know, how the Bakroth came to existence, it's really something which would have been our heritage. It would have been something really strong for us. It would have been a statement, you know, for the Ugandan people, all the people in the central, or the country at large, but people have really taken less to understand or to learn about its function. So there's that propaganda and stereotype about different fabrics in Uganda, which has also caused uh, problems. And also the other thing is about little knowledge about on sustainability, you understand? So this is how we could fight. I'm not saying fighting the secondhand market, but is fast fashion, which is really dangerous. If you really have read or have knowledge about fast fashion, it's really dangerous. So how can we end this? It's about creating awareness to people about how dangerous fast fashion is. For example, if I've been to a factory which makes denim fabric in Sweden, but making one one pair of denim, it takes a lot of gallons of water and then also dies. But it takes just a few months for someone to waste that denim, you know, which is really, yeah. you know, yeah. causing like, you know, different, different, different things I won't talk about because it's taking water and then the world needs water. Dyes, this dyes are not natural dyes. They're so toxic. And also looking behind the people who work, people who work behind these pro- production, you know, for the denims and other kind of fabric, really, the way they are being treated, the way they're affected by the dyes, you understand, some of them even die during this process so people have to learn about the process how these things are made and then they can know the dangers so it can help us to limit the number of collections we're putting out you know and also help us to get knowledge on how we can promote the sustainable fashion because it's the way to go now you know and years to come you understand right totally well said no it's right you know Mm. this is always a challenge lack of know-how and um, awareness i mean solomon since you're in in, in fashion, you have the uh, background of entertainment, you know, the industry, mm. the media industry. So you mm. see fashion from different sides. And, yeah, from um, different angles. Exactly. And I mean, mm. you see, you know, how challenging it is uh, for fashion designers. But on the other hand, you are also really close with the media industry. So mm. um, can you tell us how you... Mm. Um, also try to work around or to implement um, new mm. solutions to really bring more awareness to the mm. to the um, people also via mm. media and how mm. how is also the um, perception of made in Africa in the media what I mean do you find also a lot of um, hosts really supporting uh, made in mm. Africa made in Uganda? Um, I should say um, I'm seeing like um, a positive like reception for locally like made uh, uh, fashion items here in the media. But then again, because I could give an example, a very basic example, you know, um, usually when uh, you have like a media, like an MC or a TV host, um, I'm actually getting to see a bunch of them, like, you know, wearing Ugandan designers like to their gigs, to their TV shows, and, you know, basically, you know, putting them out there, tagging them, mentioning them. But ultimately, it, I believe it takes, much, it takes much more than that. And for, I honestly still believe for fashion to be taken seriously here in Uganda, there needs to be some sort of, like, regulation 
because the fashion industry here in Uganda is not regulated at the moment, you know. What do you mean by and it's not regulated? It's not regulated at the moment. I cannot comfortably say we have a ministry that's actively involved in fashion here and basically, you know, lobbying for the fashion industry and, you know, basically pushing and playing with, like, basically, uh, you know, getting all the, like, the game, the, the, the stakeholders. It's, for me, I believe the Ugandan, it's the, the Ugandan, it's still, like, it's pretty much like a notion. Yeah. I feel there's no support from the government and that would go a long way in changing how fashion is received here. Oh. Um, also value addition in terms of, uh, we know, you know, Uganda produces some of the world's best cotton here. Yeah. But then again, much as this cotton is put out there, there's literally few. Like I only know of Nitil that basically takes this cotton and, you know, tries to, you know, use it and, to create all these different like uniforms and bedsheets and stuff like that. But, you know, I feel there's the production of cotton is overwhelming in that there's so much production, but then how it's processed is like, we're lacking like they basically we're lacking like effective, you know, like plants and industries and those production processes that are going to add value to, you know, basically locally produced cotton here. Yeah, yeah. So there's, I believe there's a lot that needs to change, but even much as the people in the media are trying to, and they're trying to put names of creatives out there through endorsing their work, you know, wearing the clothes, ultimately there needs to be support from the Ugandan government, which I can say for now is not even encouraging at all. Yeah, yeah. Yes, but... Um, me personally, speaking from personal experience, it's because maybe I've positioned myself and uh, at least I've had the luxury of, you know, being out there. But still, much as I have had the luxury of being out there and, like, you know, being in people's faces and having all these platforms to showcase, like, what, whatever it is that I do, there's so many aspiring creatives who are doing good stuff. Yeah. who are very encouraging that do not have the platform. Absolutely. Yes. So for me, my the way I've like survived in the fashion industry, because honestly I live off I live off it. It puts food on my table. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've learned how yeah, I've learned how to use uh, social media ultimately. Like for me Social media is a tool, is a tool that I've embraced uh, much more than anything else. And I believe for like every Ugandan creative that's out there, you know, you need to equip yourself with the basics of how to market yourself and put yourself out there. Because I mean, we're like in a generation that's really fast-paced, a generation that you know literally does not have time for all the little little things that we used to. Say, case in point, back in the day, you know, you'd have, like, people had much more time to, you know, go to stores and shop. But yeah. then with, the, with social media these days, I mean, it's, I feel like it's helped bridge the gap between how people are, like, 
because ultimately, for example, I would not, I do not have the time to go to a shop or anything. Yeah. But if I see anything online that I would buy and something that would get delivered to me, I would actually prefer that. So there's so much potential um, <clears throat> in social media as like a, like a tool which Ugandan designers, I feel, should embrace. Yeah, right. Sanko. Mm. Mm. So what are your opinions, insights, you know, about future trends in African fashion, textile production, or manufacturing? Uh, first of all, I would like to add on what uh, someone has said, you know, yeah. by uh, our, uh, firstly, it's the government, which has felt accepted, you know, fashion really contributing, you know, or adding a big stone to the growth of the country, you know, whereby, you know, we have different things made from within the country and pe- things are paying taxes, you understand? So we are at least, you know, adding something on a... Uh, on the country, but what I've seen last last instant, which happened when uh, they were making uh, uniforms for uh, it was wears for uh, the parliamentary members, mm-hmm. they had to go to China to produce, you know, them instead of you know hiring designers or you know tailors from Uganda to do this work. So they had to put money into China to produce this garment. And we have people here who can do these things quite so better than what was produced out there. So I think it's also our government's weakness, you know, not to really source or to see what's being done from within the country so that they can, you know, gear it up so they can also, you know, make it visible. So it's us who are trying to fight this, you understand? But it would have been the aim or one of their opinion, you understand, because they know fashion exists, but they don't really go to details to understand, understand what their people are doing. Yeah. So, and then if we talk about, um, yeah, but it's good. uh, It's a good insight. So, um, just, just to, uh, add to that. So the, the, what also Solomon said, eh? so it's not really valued. Mm. Yeah. It's not really seen as something that can really Mm. also, um, benefit the country. I mean, Mm. creative industry, um, Mm. There is so much money, and just in the fashion industry, um, if we look into it globally, I mean, um, UK, France, uh, what is really coming out of it, and um, African countries now, they have the talents, but it's such a pity, yeah, that the governments are not really seeing it serious and not mm. really understanding, yeah, that there's a lot of money um they're actually not really um making a use of mm. and not supporting talents yeah it's still it's a journey exactly it's so so mm. beginning some things to happen because i saw that it's possible after uh this instance of the corona came and then the government had to make masks people really say that we have people designers who can make masks you understand yeah mm. so why are you hiring one big company when people yeah. are their homes, they doing nothing. They can produce the masks and then the government can pay them money. So, and the government had to listen to them and then they did exactly that, you know, which was really good. So it also brings to us having like an association, you know, like as designers, mm. which really brings us together. So if we get something like, let me say mass production, then really know that we have people who can do that. It's a big conversation. Mm. Actually, we've had for years, uh, even last time we are, 
it was something with Ebran. Uh, it was called organized by the British Council. We are yeah. talking about the second hand, but we really didn't have any conclusion because everyone is right from the other side. But if we really come together yeah. and have this discussion and we wait for the conclusion, you know, not just talking about it, but to see how same because the biggest challenge was that can designers in Uganda do a mass production for all Ugandans? It was yeah. the biggest point of discussion. So yeah. I think we need to resolve this within we as creative designers mm. and designers around the country. Yeah. Mm. So for the question you've asked about uh, which kind of techniques and textile mm. I use in my, copyright my design, you know. So actually, actually me as a person, I haven't found so much interest in using like different fabrics from other countries for a reason. Inspiration starts from the fabric. That's what makes a garment. So me using, for example, if I'm to give an example of a kitengi, if you really look closely to some patterns of kitengi, every pattern mm. is different from other pattern and they've really portrayed different things. Sometimes you might find a fault. So that person was inspired from that direction. You can find an African woman that fabric. So that person had that inspiration. He didn't just come up to do that, but he had an inspiration. But since Uganda, we are still, you know, no, I haven't reached that level of printing on fabrics, but me, I'm trying to penetrate through those, you know, mm. open windows to see that I can create my own fabrics. So in most of my mm. collection, I'm looking at the process of printing my own fabrics. And I've done this successfully, you know, with the local method and it's really coming out for me, but also looking at how we can at least have a fabric printer around Uganda, which we can all access because when you're sketching down your designs, you really have, you know, the vision from the fabric designing, from the kind of fabric, from the textile print to the to the garment designing. But you miss out some points of, you know, printing the fabric because you can't print the fabric. It's very difficult. So you have to buy the ready-made fabric, which really mm. puts down somehow your inspiration. So me, I've tried to use the local way of screen printing and printing my fabrics. Like for the rest collection I showcased at Malengo, I printed all the fabrics, but people really liked the concept and they really liked the way it came out. So I like printing my own fabric because they really speak. They add to my story. Yeah. They add to my inspiration so, so, so much. And they create a uniqueness within the fabric. And the other thing is also, I've been mm. using backcloth, you know, from my clan and from the Ngwe clan and our, you know, role in the kingdom was to process and manufacture the backcloth. So when I grew up, you know, I learned that from my grandfather and around our home, we used to have a lot of mutuwa tree, but I was still young, couldn't ask what were the uses, but I was seeing people making the backcloth. But when I grew up, you know, I had to remember all these kind of things. So I said, this is our heritage, but, you know, I had all these kind of stereotypes from the school that backcloth are being used as, you know, for, uh, used for burial, they're used, they're, you know, as they're demonic things. That's what I had in mind. But when I grew up, you know, and also joining the fashion industry, you know, I started perceiving things in a different way. So I get into details to understand, you know, what's the backcloth worth, you know, and I really understood, you know, the positive side of it you know which is really working for me and it's the message now i'm trying to preach to people you know yeah. all over mm-hmm. the world and i've been doing like sales for backcloth people really order backcloth from the states from the uk and from different parts you know of the world because of the story i'm putting behind it so mm-hmm. now i've, I've started an initiative called the backcloth revolution whereby you know i'm trying to sensitize people about how backcloth is important you understand mm-hmm. because no one knows that a backcloth is the mosquito repellent because really highlight the negative side and we forget the positive side of it. But our grandfathers and grandmothers and ancestors used the backcloth as their blankets, you know, back mm. in the days. 
you don't know about mm-hmm. this. So I'm trying to put it together and then to explain to people so that they understand because the more we take time to realize mm-hmm. this, the more we are losing our heritage, the more we are losing our own things. Like now, for instance, I've just seen uh, which brand is, is it Adidas? Adidas is making back cross shoes. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're making back cross shoes. I will just send you a photo and you see, you know, but here we are still here moving, like highlighting the propaganda and then people out there, they're doing big things and it's really expensive to buy that shoe. And now we've seen what UNESCO is doing, you know, and they even co-frighted it to Bactex. I think you've had Bactex in Germany. Yeah. Yeah, Bactex, you know. And one problem I've seen, the challenge is that you know, they're buying them from here at a low price and then they're selling mm. them out there at a higher price, leaving the mm. manufacturer or the person doing the process, you know, poor and then they're mm. getting money. So we have to come back to the drawing board and see how we can, you mm. know, really base it from the ground to see that the person who's processing the backgrounds is getting, you know, satisfied from what he's doing, you know, is getting the money he needs to get. Because, for example, you buy one piece of backgrounds at 250, but you make a garment which you're going to sell at 1.5 million, you understand? So it doesn't connect if you really, you know, think about, you know, the process Mm -hmm. of fashion because... Once we are creating fashion, most of the time we don't realize the process behind it. People who are making the fabrics, or even let me say this first clo- uh, second hand, people who are struggling in Nepal, people are struggling in uh, Bangladesh to make these clothes, you know, being paid $1 per day, you know. So I think this is what we have to end. We, as you know, mm. Ella mm. of designers. Totally. Yeah. 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 No, this was so exactly. good. You're inside about the techniques and, you know, how you really incorporate it into your designs. And, um, yeah, because I was also asking before, you know, what is your opinion and insights about future trends in Mm. African fashion? But you also already um, named it. And um, I don't know if you know, we had the exhibition last year in uh, Berlin called Connecting Afrofutures Fashion, Hair and Design. It was between um, Germany, Uh, Uganda and Senegal. Yeah, and we invited um, Jose Hendo, and she had really mm-hmm. great fashion installation talking about mm-hmm. back cloth. Because yeah. I also believe um, it's important to to really um, give back um, the knowledge, and then also to let people know that these are old textiles, and exactly. they had such a use back in the days and along mm. the way somehow it got forgotten it wasn't anymore mm. you know something important to um keep up and it's so mm. good to see that um yeah you're coming up with the initiative uh, jose has hers and mm. now it's every it's also interesting to see international brands um seeking you know for for this um materials because yeah back clothes to incorporate it in shoes is absolutely Amazing. Mm. Just to add something a little bit. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, like, you know, one thing I've seen, because it has been existing for almost like years, but we haven't found a way of making it, like, sustainable, how you can even wash it. But uh, last year, as I was doing my collection, uh, I patterned with a person from the manufacturing uh, place. And then, like, we came out with a, it was a simple sample on a a backcloth piece which you can really wash and it really worked for me because you could even wash it but it doesn't mm. fade or 
lose any quality. Yeah. So I think if we really come together, you know, as designers or mm. like an initiative in Uganda and we find a way of how we can process it because it's really possible because Nepal, they processed hemp to a fabric now, you know, mm. but Bacross is already an art piece. So how can mm. we process it, but keeping its value, you know, keeping its, you know, st- structure and its texture, you know, because it's what makes it unique, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that's what I was looking at. Yeah. Great. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, Solomon. I mean, this is now, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm actually getting to learn. I'm I'm learning a lot. <laughs> yes. Mm. I mean, you know, yeah, this is a scene, huh? Uganda. Mm. Absolutely mm. nice. Um, but then also, um, it would be good to hear from you. Um, if you can also let us know um, favorite projects you have been working on and... Um, yeah, give us also an insight about your personal style. I have been in operation for quite some time. And, uh, you know, with each project come like a, a new experience. But um, honestly, I should say I've had like a lot of like career changing opportunities. I've got to meet a lot of influential people. Uh, but still for me, much as like that happened, it was pretty much like, you know, in my styling career. And for me, I've always wanted to grow as a creative because I do not want to be stuck in styling. And I've been pushed to actually, you know, venture into fashion design because, you know, sometimes when you get a client and they have a brief or they give you a treatment and they're like, these are the kind of costumes you want, Sometimes they're so specific, you could not, like, you can't find them on the market. So I always had to make them. Yeah. Now, the challenge in the beginning was that much as I'm a fashion designer, I'm not a tailor. I can't sit on the sewing machine and create. Mm-hmm. I sketch, I conceptualize, I sketch, I monitor production. But then I cannot sit, I can't, I'm not the type of creative that sits and does the actual work but I can supervise it. So, you know, the challenge I faced as a stylist in the beginning was, you know, I always had to try to look around, like on the market, if someone needed something specific and I couldn't find it, then I had to use a tailor. And now, you know, the tailors I always used to work with in the beginning were very, very tricky because these were like the people in Chiembe, like the basic people, And it was a challenge because sometimes, you know, you tell them and, you you know, I have this concept, I want it finished this specific way. And then if they are handling a bunch of orders, then they are not going to execute the way you want it. So part of like all those challenges are actually what inspired me to, you know, be a little bit more involved and a little bit more active when it comes to, you know, making my, like creating like for myself. So, um, I've had a bunch of like uh, I've I've been I've actually been privileged to meet a lot of like influential people like movers and shakers yes. through the kind of service that I provide. Um, I could go and I could mention them, but then that would take us like a whole day. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe <laughs> you give us an insight. What um, time? Out of music, you know? Oh, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I've um, I've worked with. Uh, I've worked with a bunch of uh, like uh, celebrities. I've also been fortunate enough to be enlisted by companies. I've worked with Oriflame. 
Oriflame uh, was, I don't know, maybe it's defunct right now, but then back in the day it was like uh, major in terms of like cosmetics. Yes, so I worked yes. with Oriflame and uh, at the time they had like enlisted um, Juliana Kanyomozi who happens to be like a big shot in the Uganda music industry as a brand ambassador. Yeah. So for me, that was like my like breakthrough into commercial styling. Yeah. And uh, I mean, ever since then, I've not looked back. But like when it comes to when it comes to um, local productions, I've I've done a bunch of music videos for Ugandan artists: Bebe Cool, Vinka, Rema, Lydia Jasmine, Fie. Um, All right. Itale. It's like it, it just keeps going on and on. But for me, I feel like maybe it's been instrumental. Like it has been for me, it's been impactful, like as part of my journey to, to you know, because even as a creative, you also get, you learn like in the process. So having the opportunity to work with all these people has also kind of driven me into the direction in which which I ultimately want to take. And for me, what I'm trying to do right now is um, I'm just trying to basically like break out of styling and completely like full-time give fashion designing like uh, 110% because that's the the training that I got from uh, whenever I was working with Sylvia. So that's what I'm trying to do with the Credibility Couture brand. Um, What I intend for Credibility Couture to be is a ready-to-wear brand that is uh, basically very simple. Yeah. You know, I my aesthetic, I've always believed practical clothes and clothes that are testful and clothes that still are timeless and, you know, like stand the test of time. So yeah. I embarked on my very first collection about three months ago. Yeah. But then again, I had a few challenges in regards to a project that I'm handling at the moment because at the moment I'm doing a costume for a TV series, a Ugandan TV production that's pretty much going to stretch me all the way to March next year. Yeah. So my initial game plan was to at least have like a, about two pieces done every week and you know, so that at least by the end of the year I would have like an entire collection ready. But then I've not had the time to so, but ultimately also I feel like it's a blessing in disguise because I get all this time to really, really put thought into my collection because I believe that the message that also is behind these clothes that you're putting out on the market also matters. So I'm looking at having my first collection out yeah. by April next year. I'm so excited. Um, I'm very excited about how some of the pieces are turning up. And I just can't wait to share it with the world. Wow, sounds good. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I mean, I know you have style. I have seen you. I have seen your outfits. So, <laughs> yes, there's something to expect. Absolutely. And if you yeah. can just also let us know in one sentence, how would you describe your personal style? Um, my personal style is obviously, it's, I like, I like to be effortless, but then even when I still like to be effortless, I like, I like um, to tell a story. You know, I like to provoke a thought in whatever it is that I'm wearing. Like when, it's my, when it comes to my personal sense of style, 
Um, a couple of times, all my friends always said, oh, you're extra, you know, sometimes we just be going out for, for maybe just dinner or just drinks. And then I turn up looking like... <laughs> So for me, I've always been, for me, it's about ex- being expressive and I'm naturally not a very um, affable, I'm not a talkative person, but I believe what I lack in terms of, you know, being social and whatnot and talking and being vocal, I basically express in my sense of style. So my personal sense of style is very, very expressive. Um, I like functional pieces and yeah that's pretty much that's pretty much who I am but then again my collection is me trying to you know break away from who I am and my personal aesthetic because ultimately when you're producing you always have to put the market first yeah yes good thanks Mm. Wow, mm. time is flying. We're coming to an end. But what we always do on Fashion Africa mm. Now podcast, we have mm. two key questions. Mm. So I would start with you, Sonko. The first question yes. is, what does fashion mean to you? Uh, thank you so much for that question. <laughs> uh, to me, fashion, uh, how can I relate it? You know, Let me first give an example. You see how someone uses music to spread the voice so that he can get change. So to me, fashion is like something revolution or something, you know, which is out to create a change. That's how I see fashion. Thank you. Mm. And the second question is, how do you define your role in this movement? Okay, yeah. So uh, my role in this movement is to be a scene shifter and also being, you know, a leader in this revolution. When I say this is that, you know, that there are some people, a lot number of people who need our services out there. So if we really front ourselves to deliver the services to them, I think it's going to create what we really need. For example, uh, for the first time to travel to Kasese, you know, I really saw a different country, you know, it's like a different country because people really want to learn something, but they don't have access to, you know, tailors or any designers who can share to them. And they also don't have money to afford, you know, classes. So when we went there for the first time and we shared for the first time, it really opened up doors for them, you know, because they have a wide market from uh, big uh, hotels, you know, because it's a big tourist place, you know. And also they've created their own markets out of things we've taught them, you know, for free. So I think... We can change people's life through, you know, giving them, offering them services, at times free services. It's like giving back to the community because my story starts with the community because I'm built by the community 70%, you know. So, yeah, that's how I see <laughs> my role in this you know, part. Yeah. Thank you. And Solomon, what mm. does fashion mean to you? <laughs> Honestly, when I heard you, when I heard uh, the, when you, when I heard you uh, ask Sonko, I was like, "This is a very, it's a very interesting question." Because it's funny, I've never, no one has ever asked me what fashion means to me before. <laughs> All right. Um, I should say, for me, fashion is like a conduit, like a form of expression that I never thought 
I would ever use individually. And it comes from, you know, basically learning and being around uh, people that are in the fashion industry. For me, initially fashion, me, I was excited and I thought for me it was just a way of doing something that I loved. But then as I've grown up and with all the experiences and with the people that I've worked with, I've come to learn that maybe it's also an invaluable tool into, you know, putting and putting a vital message out there. So, yes, I've learned to basically use fashion as a form of expression, as opposed to, you know, me initially thinking fashion was just a pastime and something I would do to earn money out of. Okay. Yes. And how do you define your role in this movement? Uh, my role in this fashion movement is uh, I'm hoping to basically just try to change the narrative, especially in the Ugandan scene where fashion is not um, basically at the forefront, where it's not given all the credit it deserves. So I would, I, my aspiration is to basically just change the thought processes of the people, the Ugandan people, my acquaintances, um, towards fashion. Because ultimately, there's, like I said, um, I feel it's um, a, a platform that basically um, is very instrumental as a form of, you know, putting a message out there. So I aspire to be um, a narrative changer through my work, um, through uh, basically the people I get to meet through the collaborations I've been blessed to have with uh, fellow creatives. That's pretty much it, I guess. Wow. <laughs> Thank mm. you. Mm. Amazing. Thank you both for this great insight to us, for us, you know, to... Thank you so much for having us. (laughs) You know, this this, this conversation has has basically just, you know, I'm rethinking a bunch of things. I've learned so much from it. Amazing. Yeah, it's been an honor to be on this platform and to also... Um, be a part of it with a you know fellow creative from Uganda who I've actually not met yet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So this yes. is what we will do next time. I'm in UG. Definitely mm. Salomon and Sonko. We should meet. We have of course yeah. a lot of people in common, but mm. this is what we will do. And yeah, thank you very much for this insight into the Ugandan fashion scene. And as we learned today. Yeah, we are, we are in the making and um, mm. we're looking into the future. We have the talents. Luckily, we have social media so we can connect. Exactly. And um, mm. I'm out here in Germany. It was really a pleasure speaking to you based you in uh, Kampala. And mm. I think, Sonko, you said you're in Jinja at the moment, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, amazing. But this was so good. It was so, so necessary, you know, having this conversation. <laughs> mm. For me, it was very, it was very, very eye-opening, and I say eye-opening based off of uh, Sonko's experiences as an upcoming fashion designer. 
because I've not gotten to, you know, sit at a table and, you know, basically engage with, like, uh, you know, a person like Sonko. But I should say, honestly, it's pretty impressive what he's doing. An upcoming creative who's forward thinking, who's ambitious, and who is very insightful because um, I've actually got to learn from, from him. <laughs> yeah, good. I did not. I honestly did not know. I did not know that you know, back clothes would be like upgraded to washable fabric. So for me, you know, and you know, the Easter learning is 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 a journey. So it's always an honor. And it's always um, a good thing to you know, you know, share ideas and you know, share the same platform to discuss things pertaining to fashion with uh, uh, creatives like him. Absolutely. I'm also very mm. proud. Absolutely, Sanko. And um, it's it's impressive. And given the mm. fact, yeah, you're 23 and you're mindful and absolutely aware. And um, mm. I'm looking into great projects. And um, yeah, this is it. Thank you so for, much. Thank you. For now, it was a pleasure speaking to you. You were listening to Fashion Africa mm. Now podcast. I was speaking with Sonko and Salomon. It was great. You're listening to Fashion Africa Now podcast. We humbly ask you to respect our intellectual property. We want to leave you inspired, informed, educated, connected. This is who we are. Fashion Africa Now podcast. Get in touch with us on fashionafricanow.com